Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight." And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Thanks, Mary Grace. Um, If you'd like to keep that passage open in front of you, and we'll look at it together. And as we do that, let's pray and ask for God's help. Our Father, we thank you for uh, this time that we have to spend in your word now, and we pray that as we do, that you would minister to us by your Spirit, that you would um, stir our hearts uh, to respond to to the call that our Lord Jesus has made here, and that you would embolden us and help us and give us confidence in, in his empowering presence. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I wonder if you can think of a time where uh, you were asked to do something that seemed really tough, really difficult. Uh, Maybe you were asked to wait, to to be patient uh, for something that you desperately wanted to happen. Uh, Or, um, you know, maybe you were asked to take on an important responsibility and accepting that responsibility, uh, it weighed heavily upon you. Uh, I was listening to the radio uh, this week and someone was talking about a a friend of theirs who was about to stand guard at the king's coronation and he had prepared for that um, event by standing at attention for three hours at a time with a plant pot on his head. Um, He literally had the weight of responsibility on him. Uh, Or maybe you've found yourself in a situation where you were asked to do something that just seemed uh, way beyond your ability to accomplish. If you're a Christian, uh, well, there's a sense in which we've all been called to do something that's beyond us. Here in Acts chapter 1, Jesus calls his followers to do something that was way beyond their capacity to achieve. He tells them, verse 8 of chapter 1, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Jesus called his disciples to witness, to testify to who he was and what he'd done, and to take that message out into the world. And it's a call that still applies today. God's people, the church, are called to take the good news of Jesus Christ 
to the ends of the earth, to every country, city, street, neighborhood, workplace, sports team that they find themselves in. Now, I'd love to tell you that between Sundays, I am out there speaking to everybody I meet about Jesus. But the reality is, is that my efforts are often pretty feeble. And it, if you're anything like me, then it would be easy to look at these opening chapters in the book of Acts uh, and see these early Christians passionately declaring their faith in the risen Jesus and come away feeling a bit crushed by our own failures. But I think that would be to miss the point of the book of Acts. Fulfilling Christ's call, being his witnesses, it is a daunting task, no question. It was then, and it still is now. And it's one that in our own strength, we simply cannot fulfill. But as we spend some time in the early chapters of Acts over the next few weeks, we'll see that what Jesus calls us to is a task that he equips us for. What he calls us to is a task he equips us for. The one who calls us, he gives us the power to respond in a way that we could never do in our own strength. You see, before Jesus calls his followers to be his witnesses, he makes them a promise, a promise of power. Verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And it's that power that makes all the difference when it comes to answering his call to witness. It's that power that means that we don't need to be crushed by failure, but confident that Jesus' ministry, it didn't end when he returned to heaven. He is still in the business of working through his people, the church, to save people today. And Luke, the author of the book of Acts, he makes that clear right at the beginning of his book. We read in verse 1 of chapter 1, in my first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. He goes on verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them, that's his disciples, during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So Acts is volume two, if you like, of Luke's account of Jesus' life and ministry. It follows on from, from Luke's gospel. At the beginning of his gospel in volume one, Luke stated his intention to present an orderly account of Jesus' ministry. And that is his continued intention in Acts what we have is an orderly account of events. And, and Luke begins Acts by summarizing volume one, his gospel. In just a couple of lines, he, he sums up Jesus' ministry on earth, his miracles and his teaching. And then he goes on to speak of Jesus' death and resurrection. He, he encapsulates the, the entire gospel in just a few words. His reader, Theophilus, already had the benefit of that first volume. Luke's gospel was addressed to him as well. His orderly account cites people and places so that everything could be verified. And that's important because it tells us that the Christian faith is not some blind leap in the dark. It is a faith with a foundation. It's a faith based on evidence. It's a belief that we can have confidence in. 
Now, the book of Luke gives a, a detailed account of Jesus' ministry, but it's only the beginning of that account. That's what Luke says, verse 1 of Acts chapter 1, that his first book was all about what Jesus began to do and teach. The book of Acts is the continuing account of Jesus' ministry. Now, why is that important? Well, in verses 9 to 11, we read about Jesus ascending to heaven. And as he disappears out of sight, it would be easy to assume that that was the end of it, that his ministry was over, that his followers were, were now on their own, left to their own devices. But Acts tells us a, a very different story. Everything that goes on in the book of Acts has Jesus at the center. It's his ministry that is being carried out. Jesus was about to return to heaven, but he would still be at work through his people. The power he promises his disciples in verse 8 is power that comes from his Holy Spirit. Throughout the book of Acts, Jesus equips and guides and empowers his people, the church, to carry out his mission on earth through his Spirit. And he's still doing that today. So we respond to Jesus' call to witness, we do not do it alone. Jesus promises to give us the power that we need to carry out his mission here on earth, power that we receive through his Spirit. And that is something that we see happening repeatedly throughout the book of Acts, God's people empowered by God's Spirit to be his witnesses in the face of opposition, in the face of persecution, even in the face of death, God's Spirit enables them to declare the gospel with boldness. It can be easy, can't it, to, to worry about what people might think of us or how they will react when we start to share our faith. And it can be very tempting to, to crouch down in a holy huddle in our nice Christian community and not really engage with the world outside. But the message of Acts is a wonderfully encouraging one because it tells us that we are not alone. God has sent his spirit to empower his people to be his witnesses. He did it then and he still does it today. By his spirit, he's still equipping, still guiding, and still empowering his people to speak for him. And at the same time, his spirit is still at work in people's hearts to convince them of the truth of the gospel. In the book of Acts, we see people come to faith in Jesus who we would never expect in a million years would come to faith, who would follow him. The second half of the book of Acts, it, it follows the uh, early church leader, Paul. And when we first encounter him in Acts, he's one of the most feared persecutors of the church. By the end, he's responsible for taking the gospel all the way to Rome. You know, it might be that you have friends or family or neighbors, people you encounter in daily life who you could never imagine would ever want to follow Jesus. Well, we just need to look at the book of Acts to be reminded, to be encouraged that God's Spirit can work in anyone's life. He can bring anyone to love and trust in Jesus. The message of Acts is that God is the one who changes lives. And wonderfully, we have seen him do that 
in our church. He works through his people to bring people to faith in Jesus. We've seen his spirit work in people's hearts as they've heard the good news of Jesus and then responded by putting their faith in him. It's exciting to see that, isn't it? And, and, and we should uh, be confident and hopeful and trust that God is going to continue to do that as we faithfully witness to his name. And it's very much a, a global vision that we see here in the book of Acts. From the very beginning of the book, we see that this mission is to go to the ends of the earth. We've already seen that. Verse 8, uh, it says, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, the places that Jesus mentions have all sorts of historical and theological significance. But what I want us to, to notice is their geographical significance. Throughout Luke's gospel, Jesus speaks about the, the kingdom of God as a kingdom that is continually growing as people believe and trust in Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And in Acts, the theme of the, the kingdom of God is prominent throughout. What we see is the rapid growth of the kingdom beginning in Jerusalem and spreading out from there as communities of God's people are continually planted, taking the message of the gospel out into the world. And by the end of the book, the kingdom is still growing. The story isn't over yet. The last chapter of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 28, is left open at the end. Jesus' mission hasn't finished. By the end of the, the book of Acts, the gospel has got as far as Rome, but it still hasn't made it to the ends of the earth. And that's where we come in. As Jesus' mission continues, as his church witnesses to the ends of the earth, he continues today to work through his people. The whole structure of the book of Acts is focused on an outward movement of the gospel. These Christians, they were a tiny minority. When Jesus ascended to heaven, there were 120 followers. But they didn't huddle up together. They spread the word. They brought people alongside their community. They participated in God's mission. They were missionaries to the world around them. Now, when we think of that term missionary, we maybe have an image of uh, someone who goes off to a far-off land to, to share uh, the message of Jesus with those who've never heard it. And that's a hugely important part of what mission is, taking the good news of the gospel out to the world. But it's important that we don't lose sight of the fact that we are to be missionaries where God has placed us. You don't need me to tell you that we, we live in a country where so many people have never heard about Jesus. And Leith is such a diverse community where, where the nations have come to us. The ends of the earth are literally right here on our doorstep. Our building is on the most densely populated street in the whole country. God has given us a, a tremendous opportunity to witness, to advance his mission here in Leith. And it's been wonderful to see the way that that, that has begun to happen uh, just in ways that we've been able to use this building. Uh, each Wednesday, uh, it's wonderful to see the way that the, the Conversation Cafe brings people from all over the world to come and spend time working on their English, but also getting the opportunity to stay around and hear about Jesus. 
God has given us a tremendous opportunity here. He's given us power, uh, and he's given us the place. But it's worth asking, why? Why does Jesus call his followers to this? Why can't we just be content to, to keep the message to ourselves, to enjoy a nice, cozy community? Well, because we have been given a purpose the story of Acts is the story of a king who will one day return. We read verse 9, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So Luke tells us that after Jesus had said these things, he was taken up into heaven. It's, it's, it's what's known as the ascension, and it's a very dramatic event, and it's one that we might have a few questions about. What are we meant to, to make of this? Well, first of all, uh, the important thing that Jesus' ascension tells us is that he is the one who rules and reigns. Luke makes four references to heaven in verses 10 and 11. And in verse 9, he speaks about a cloud taking Jesus out of their sight. Now, now that might immediately put in your mind a, an image of Jesus heading up to heaven to, to sit on fluffy clouds. And that's often the image that people have of heaven, that, uh, uh, that, that's a sort of cloudy, ethereal place. But that's not what the cloud signifies. This section of Acts is filled with Old Testament imagery. And in the Old Testament, God's glory was frequently masked by a cloud. We see it at Mount Sinai and at the, the, the temple. So, so Jesus' ascent into the cloud, it tells us that God, that, that, that he has moved to the center of God's glory. He has been placed in a position of authority to rule and to reign. And he will remain there until it's time to return. And that's the second thing that we can understand from what Luke says here. As the disciples gaze up to heaven, two men in white robes, they would have been angels, they tell them that Jesus will one day return. He hasn't left his people forever. One day he's coming back. He will return to complete all that he began. And later on in Acts chapter 10, Peter speaks about what Jesus will do when he returns. He says in chapter 10, verse 42 of Acts chapter 10, that Jesus is the one appointed by God as the judge of the living and the dead. One day, this ascended Jesus will return and he will finish what he began. And that is good news for those who've put their faith in him. But it's bad news for those who have rejected him. Because on that day, they will be rejected by him. They will face his judgment. They will never again have the opportunity to enter his kingdom. And that is why mission is so important. We're living in this period right now between Jesus' ascension and his return. And the task that we've been given as the church is to share that message with the world to tell our world of their need of a savior and of how that need has been met in Jesus Christ. 
to tell them of the rescue that he offers to anyone who turns from their sin and puts their trust in him. We have an incredible message to share, a message of rescue, a message of hope, a message that promises forgiveness and reconciliation with the one who made us to be his. It's a message that promises eternal life in a kingdom where all suffering and, and, and sorrow and pain will cease. A world where there will be no more brokenness. A world where we will live in peace and joy with our risen, eternal King. It's a message that he has given us to share with Leith, with Edinburgh, and to the ends of the earth. It's a message that he has empowered us to share through the indwelling power of his Holy Spirit. So be encouraged, have confidence in what he has given, in the power that he has given, and the promise that he has made. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for uh, the gift of your Spirit. We thank you that we are not alone. And we thank you that you have empowered your church to share the good news of Jesus Christ with our world. We thank you for uh, the ways in which we have seen you work by your Spirit in the lives of people here and the ways in which lives have been transformed for eternity through your people in this place. And we pray, Lord God, that we would see more and more of your Spirit at work bringing people to faith in Jesus and that you would encourage us, that you would embolden us, that you would fill us with passion and an outward focus to see that happen. And we pray these things in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.